being here, yes, it is nice up on top of the mountain, and uh, want to be a little warm today, maybe 80 or so, and then I just got a a nice thunder shower. Just came over about an hour ago, and it was blue all around except under this thunder shower. <clears throat> so now it's nice and cool, and I can uh, do this in comfort. So I'm certainly thankful to God for the blessings He gives all of us in the way that He does, even in these very, very trying times. I have one thing to mention here. Uh, I heard a report that Samantha's father had apparently fallen off a ladder, and I maybe got this second, third hand, uh, so I don't know that I have all the details correct, but I understand there were some broken bones, some shattered ribs, and um, a lick to the head that had it been an inch, a different placement would have killed him instantly. So he's in... Uh, Pretty serious condition, I think, uh, from what I got, uh, expected to live, but uh, it was a very close call, and I'm sure this has been very, very traumatic on him, on the family, and on Samantha, and I wanted to mention it to all of you. I'm sure you've gotten word of it uh, by now, but to mention it officially at least and ask that we pray uh, about the situation, uh, the comfort and strength be given and healing. Uh, Christ healed people from every walk of life and from uh, various beliefs and religions and everything else. And he is coming to heal the whole world in his time and way. Meantime, uh, things are pretty grim and getting worse every day, as you well know. I want to go back at the beginning of this sermon to Amos 8. Uh, we've referred to it several times, starting, well, prior to, but especially on uh, August, or July 22nd, no, wait, August 21st of 17, uh, when we had that long uh, eclipse that came across the nation from basically Oregon across, I think, to South Carolina, made a line all the way across at noon. <clears throat> uh, here, God had showed Amos a basket of summer fruit, uh, and this happened in the summertime in August. And it talks about the howlings of uh, in the temple, instead of songs howling, and many dead bodies would begin to show up. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing. We've been there. But going on down to verse 7, The Eternal is sworn by the excellency of Jacob. Surely I will never forget any of their works. The works of our nation today are so very, very poor. And Americans sit here doing nothing, uh, maybe not even fully aware. But do we really grasp, does our people really grasp what's going on? Maybe on some, in some ways, subliminally. Maybe some are awake and aware. But others are just going about their lives blind to what all is happening. We are murdering millions of babies before and after birth. And now our very leaders, <clears throat> many, many in Washington and other parts of the government, are involved in pedophilia and child sacrifice. Presidents, vice presidents, congressmen, many of them flying on the plane that, uh, oh, what's his name, had, down to an island where they were taking little children, ages 4 to 14 or so, and letting them be defiled by these people before selling them off for their organs. And that's our leaders. And it just gets worse and worse, and now we're turning a nation totally into a queer nation with all the drag and all the 
perversions that go with that. We're, we're in the place of Sodom and Gomorrah, and apparently almost unaware of it, putting up with it, allowing the march in the streets. Where is leadership in Israel? There is none. We're like the days of the judges, every man doing what is right in his sight. Finally, a woman stood up and tried to help lead because there was no man that could or would lead. <clears throat> and that's where we are today in this nation. He says, shall not the land tremble for this? And it will rise up like a flood in verse 8, be like people being drowned in the flood of Egypt. The Red Sea. It shall come to pass in that day, says the Eternal, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. And that's what happened uh, August 21st of 2017. And I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. We read some in Lamentations last week, and I intend to do some more today, because it's so lamentable the condition that both the church and the nation are in. The church completely destroyed and dead, except for a few survivors who are clinging on, and the nation headed into the very same position. It'll be a bitter day, he says. And that happened within a month of uh, July 22nd, 1587, uh, when they came to check on the colony at Roanoke. And God said they stayed in Mitzrayim for 430 years to the day until they were delivered uh, at Passover and started on their march out of Mitzrayim or Egypt. Now, this is within a month, and I don't know how God counts that, and it may be the very self-same day, because what happened there at Roanoke uh, might be uh, a little different than the official account. Who knows? And maybe time uh, is exactly the same day that God passed judgment, and I believe that's what happened when that uh, eclipse came across our nation. He passed judgment on it. The... Punishment has been growing steadily by the day, <clears throat> but you have to pass judgment before uh, the punishments can begin, and I think that's what happened, and it wasn't long after we had the COVID thing. They're turning disease loose on us deliberately. They are having warfare deliberately in the weather and causing all kinds of problems all over the country. We have the saguaro cactuses, which are symbolic of America in the West. And Phoenix now has had temperatures over 110 for over 30 days. And the saguaro cactuses are dying, shriveling up, and falling over. <clears throat> they were made for desert heat, but not this kind of heat this long. So we have weather wars going on, and they're destroying our food on purpose, and they're polluting it on purpose, because our leaders have sold us out, as Jeremiah 50 and 51 say, having given their hand. You know what's at the bottom of this? We owe the nations of this world so much money now, we can never, ever pay it back. The U.S. government is in debt by at least $30 trillion. And with all kinds of other debts that are built up that the banks are holding, it's quadrillions of dollars. Let that sink in. Trillions and quadrillions of dollars that we owe, that we can never pay back. We owe it to China. We owe it to Russia. We owe it to other nations who are holding our worthless dollar bills that are getting more worthless every day. 
and the value that was supposed to be in them is gone. And what little is left is disappearing very rapidly. So how are we going to pay our debt? They want the debt paid. There's only one way, brethren, that they can receive anything back from what we owe them. Our land and our lives. And God makes it very, very clear that we are going to be taken into captivity and our land turned over to the Gentiles. That's in the Bible. That's what's going to happen. Nine-tenths of us are going to die of our population in this country. Nine-tenths of the church is in deep spiritual trouble. And only one-tenth is going to repent enough for God to save it and use it as a witness against this world. So the church is already devastated, <clears throat> and the nation is in the process now of being devastated. Our leaders have already sold us out, and what's going on is we're using up our war material, our ammunition, our war machines in Ukraine in a limited battle and this is all being controlled from behind the scenes. They're weakening us on purpose so that they don't need nuclear weapons to come in and take over. The Bible doesn't seem to indicate that. It in indicates great trouble, but a third will die of famine and pestilence, and they're bringing that on us with the weather and with diseases they're turning loose, and there will be more that will kill a third of us. Famine always brings disease and pestilence. Then we will be invaded, and a third will die by the sword, and a third taken captive. Now, if it was all nuclear war, uh, it wouldn't come down that way. But they're weakening us so that they can pay, or we can repay our debt as slaves and give them our land. That's what's happening. That's the bottom line. And our leaders have agreed to this. It's already a handshake deal, as Jeremiah says. So they're giving us away. They're traitors. They're full of treason. And they are pedophiles and molesters and murderers of our children. Not just the babies, but even those that they are sacrificing, selling the organs off. It is an organized thing that is going on in this country today. Now, I'll tell you something else that's about to happen, and I don't know what it means, and I don't know if the facts are all straight or not, but I read an article a few weeks ago that not only did we have that eclipse that went across the country and made a long line at noon, as, as Amos says, but now we have another one coming up in October, that is going to make another line across our country. And another one, uh, I think it's April 1st. Or what day was it? It may be the first day of the new year. I'm not, I don't recall exactly. But in April, in, in any case, the beginning of God's year, uh, when there's another one coming that will cross the other two, making an aleph. That is the first letter of the Hebrew calendar. I'm not calendar, the, the first, of the alphabet, excuse me. First letter of the Hebrew alphabet is going to be drawn across our country uh, beginning in August of 17 and then being finished up with two more lines in October and April. Uh, I saw a map of it, where they're going to be, and it forms almost a perfect aleph. Now, is God giving us another clue there? Is that the true beginning of the end, when all this stuff is going to be unleashed? It's being unleashed to some degree and has been uh, since August of 2017 and gotten worse and worse. But when is it all going to just come loose and we're going to be taken into captivity? I don't know. But that Alice might mean something.
the first line being drawn when I think judgment was passed in 2017, and the final touches might be put on in October and April. Just something to watch and think about. I don't know that it means anything, but it might mean something pretty important. You have to consider these things, especially since it's the beginning letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it's right over the middle of our country. Who knows? We shall see. Now, with that background, let's go back to Lamentations. We got down to chapter 2. I didn't make much progress. I'd like to get through a couple of chapters today. Uh, there's a little hope in here, but there's a lot of the doom and gloom, and we're in the middle of it. We've been in the middle of it in the church now for several decades, and now we're getting into it in the nation where there is no hope from anybody. And I think that they put Donald Trump where he was on purpose to give the patriotic types, the conservative types, a hope for a man to deliver us. It's a false hope. Uh, Donald Trump cannot deliver this country in any way or in any form or in any fashion. Uh, he's just one of them. And he was used maybe to help keep rebellion and civil war down until they're ready for it by giving them a great false white hope. And that is gone uh, with the stealing of the election. And he is no hope anymore. And he's done some things that show that he's just one of them. So this country is without hope. They have a few of them, hope in God. How do you expect bless, God to bless America again? He can't. We are so sinful, so lawless, so against him as a nation and as a government that there's no way he can bless us. He can only curse us based on his law and his way because we have gone to such desperate sin. And he has always cursed Israel when they did that. Now, upon repentance, or upon his anger subsiding, he has again blessed Israel in the past. And he will again in the millennium, but not until. So there is absolutely no hope for this country from any direction, including God. Unless we turn wholesale, absolutely, as a nation, to God almost overnight. And I believe it's too far gone for even that to possibly happen. He even tells us in the book of Jeremiah, before this lament, not to pray for the nation, because there is no hope. It is too late. There is no salvation. Because he has passed judgment, and once that judgment is passed, there's no turning back. So the punishment, the trouble is coming, and it's coming on us like a freight train. And the beginnings have already begun in Ukraine, and they're destroying our war machine right there, right now, as we sit. So... If he says, don't even pray for this nation, it means that the judgment has been passed, and he is not going to relent. We've gone too far into sin, and it's going to hit like Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, as we get into this second chapter, yes, this is not inspiring. It's not necessarily encouraging, except from the standpoint that God is true to his word. And he has done to the church what he said he would do to the church in Revelation 3. He spewed it out of his mouth, and it's bits of spittle to this day, until he revives one-tenth of it. And he says he will. So there's some hope there. But in the meantime, we're still in a terrible situation. And the nation, day by day, is headed the exact same direction and Lamentations already applies to it, and it's going to get worse. Now, I started into this 
And I intend to finish it, God willing, because I want us to hear the whole lament of Jeremiah. Now recall, we just fasted on Thursday because of the situation where Jerusalem, the nation, everybody was taken captive to Babylon. And the city, the temple, all left in absolute ruins and only a few people left behind. Jeremiah, by not by Nebuchadnezzar, but by his own people, had been thrown into the prison, basically been thrown into the outhouse And he was feeling pretty down and pretty low. And this is what we have, is his lament. Let's go to chapter 2. How has the Eternal covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger? Notice God did this and takes credit for it. And it is a prophecy toward the church and now toward the nation. And it's going to say he in here a whole lot. And cast down from heaven unto the earth the beauty of Israel, and remembered not his footstool in the day of his anger. He has looked to Israel. He's used it as his footstool. Footstool comforts you and makes you more, puts you at ease. Not anymore. The Eternal has swallowed up all the habitations of Jacob, has not pitied He's thrown down in his wrath the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought them down to the ground. He has polluted the kingdom and the princes thereof. So the ministry in the church, and it's going to happen to the leaders of the nation. This is a prophecy for today, in time. That's what Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and the minor prophets are all about, is today. He has cut off in his fierce anger all the horn of Israel, that is, the power. He's removing our power right now, breaking our horn. He has drawn back his right hand from before the enemy, and he burned against Jacob like a flaming fire, which devours round about. So, not necessarily the fire of nuclear bombs, but the fire of pressure and the fire of death. It's been his bow like an enemy. <clears throat> God is fighting us. Do we grasp that? God is against this nation. We all believed in God bless America. We all believed in this being a righteous nation. No, it is not. And God is so angry that we've turned to queerdom, misusing and abusing one of the most beautiful things he gave us, and men against with men and women with women, and every kind of perversion back and forth that is possible, even with beasts and animals. Our leaders are doing it. God is angry with us. He is acting like an enemy. How are you going to call on God to save you when he considers you his enemy at this point? O nation of America and all the other tribes of Israel. He stood with his right hand as an adversary and slew all that were pleasant to the eye in the tabernacle of the daughter of Zion. He poured over his fury like fire. The Lord was as an enemy. He swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all her palaces. He's destroyed his strongholds and has increased the daughter of Judah mourning and lamentation. You and I have seen it in the church. What a mess. And we are seeing it in the beginning stages in this country. It's going to get a whole lot worse in the coming weeks and months. <clears throat> Because God is right now an enemy of the United States of America, of Britain, and the other nations of Israel. who don't even know who they are. And he has violently taken away his tabernacle as if it were of a garden. He has destroyed the places of the assembly. 
The Eternal has caused the solemn feasts and Sabbaths to be forgotten in Zion. They're almost forgotten in the church. What about in the nation? The Sabbath, the Feast of the Eternal, completely ignored, not even known about. All we know about is Christmas and Easter and pagan holidays, Halloween. Big deal Halloween these days, getting bigger than Christmas because of all the queers and perverts. And as despised in the indignation, his anger, the king and the priests, both the civil and the religious sides in our nation, he despises and hates. The eternal has cast off his altar, has abhorred his sanctuary, has given up into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. Just like we read in Jeremiah 52 of what Nebuchadnezzar did to the temple and to Jerusalem and to the whole land. He's doing it again, and his hand will not be held back nor spared. He is our enemy. He is only going to use the king of the north and the other kings in a big coalition against America. You know, it's so incredible. Only a very few short years ago, we were the biggest predator nation on earth. People owed us more than they owed anyone else. Now we owe them more than anyone else. We're the greatest debtor nation on earth, and they're coming after us. We are going to be slaves. Britain used to have debt prisons. We're going into slavery, into prison, if you will, to the other nations. They're going to kill a lot of us, and the ones that are healthy enough to be workers will be put into slave labor. That's where we're going. And God is using them to do that. He's behind it all. God is on Russia and China's side right now. Do you realize that? Do we grasp it? He's on their side. He's not on our side. We're not going to win anymore. We're done. We're finished. We're going to be destroyed. He's telling us that right here. Verse 8. The Eternal has purposed to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. He has stretched out a line. He has not withdrawn his hand from destroying. Therefore, he made the rain part and the wall, uh, the rampart and the wall to lament. They languished together, just as Jeremiah is lamenting it here. I didn't enjoy last Thursday, did you? I had all this destruction of the church and of our nation on my mind, and I wasn't eating or drinking, and I didn't enjoy it. Jeremiah did not see enjoy seeing the nation destroyed before his very eyes, as his own people threw it in the manure pile. He didn't enjoy that. You're probably not enjoying what I'm saying right now. No, it's not fun. It's not happy. It's what's happening because of our sin. And I hope we, as church members, are not taking anything for granted. God spewed us out beginning in 1986 and on. And it's been a long time. Are we used to it? Have we just sort of begun to take it for granted? We're in the mess we're in as a church? Or are we still hopefully repenting and turning to God with all our hearts? As we watch physically happen to this nation what has already happened to us spiritually, And we're heading into the physical destruction, having already gone through the spiritual destruction. This isn't fun. Turn to God. That's what he says to do under these conditions. Our nation is not going to repent. Are we? Have we? Are we doing so? 
I want to be part of God's revival, his restoration, his restitution that he has promised is coming. But we have to do our part and be to be a part of it. Verse 8, he's purposed to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. Verse 9, her, her gates are sunk into the ground. He has destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes are among the Gentiles. The law is no more. The Tekashas removed the law of God from the church, and it was destroyed. Our nations has now removed the law of the land, the Constitution, and it is no more. It is not being ruled by the Constitution. It is being ruled by letters from presidents. It is being ruled by paid-off judges and Congress people who have been bought and paid for by the Chinese and others of our enemies. We are sold out, and the destruction is not far behind. The law is no more in this nation. There's no justice in the land. Isaiah says it in chapter 1. We're sick from head to foot, not just the leaders, but all the way down through the ranks of our citizenry from top to bottom. The prophets also find no vision from the Lord. Our nation is not a Christian nation. It is a nation that is filled with lies and cheating and stealing and adultery and fornication and Sabbath-breaking and idolatry and covetousness. All the Ten Commandments are being broken willy-nilly and no attention paid to them. I mean, even the churches haven't paid the attention to the law in forever. It's all gone away. We don't have to have the law. And now in our land, the Constitution is just another, as one president called it, and I won't even say it, but just another piece of paper. Verse 10, the elders of the daughter of Zion sit upon the ground and keep silence. What is there to say? They cast up dust upon their heads. They girded themselves with sackcloth. The virgins of Jerusalem hang down their heads to the ground. We're in shame. The nations of the world mock us and laugh at us. They laugh at our so-called leaders who are just one a senile old puppet and the other one basically an old whore. That's it. And the congressmen are all sold out. There is no justice in the land. Mine eyes do fail with tears. My bowels are troubled. My liver is poured upon the earth for the destruction of the daughter of my people. We see it coming. It's going to get so much worse. Because the children were suckling swoon in the streets of the city. You know... It's only recently that you can go into the stores and see some empty shelves. But they're, they're beginning to appear all over the place. They used to keep the stores absolutely stocked right up to the gills. Not anymore. And it's getting worse day by day. And now they're growing our meat in labs and putting the COVID vaccine in our food. They're beginning to already feed it to the animals that they slaughter for us to eat. You can't trust it. You go, the chicken, the pork, the beef, and the stores are full of these chemicals. And it's getting more and more that way. Can you trust it even yet? They've already said they're doing it. When did they start? Did they admit it right away? Or is it already there? And in some places, in some products, it is there. How do you trust it? You can't. Because they're lying thieves, and they have in mind to destroy us all. Bill Gates, some of our presidents, have said it. 
This isn't speculation. This isn't conspiracy theory. They've confirmed it. They've said it openly. 90% of the earth needs to be depopulated. And they're working hard on it. They have not. So, the kids are going to begin to say to their mothers, how about the babies? Couldn't get baby formula. And it's still scarce. They say to the mothers, where's the corn and wine? When they swooned as the wounded in the streets of the city, when their soul was poured out to their mother's bosom. What things shall I take to witness for you? What things shall I liken to you, O daughter of Jerusalem? What do you like? Are you like God? Are you blessed? What shall I equal to you that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion? What, what good thing could I compare you to? For your breach is great like the sea. Who can heal you? And God isn't even trying right now to heal our nation or it would be healed. He is our enemy. Do not even pray for this people because God is their enemy. He says it himself. The prophets have seen vain and foolish things for you. God bless America again is a song that came out. No, it's not going to happen until we have been 90% destroyed. Then the millennium will come and God will begin to bless again because people will repent, the ones that are left. But not until. They have not discovered your iniquity. Are the preachers out there, Catholic, Protestant, whoever, are they preaching repentance? Are they pointing out people's iniquity? No! They're inviting it in. Some of the main Protestant groups are now letting people dress in drag and come to church. They've not discovered your iniquity to turn away your captivity, but have seen for you false burdens and causes of banishment. They're preaching things that God will banish for. All that pass by clap their hands at you. They hiss and wag their head at the daughter of Jerusalem. The peoples of Israel, Western Europe, the United States, Canada, Australia, wherever your Israelites have gone. They're against us. Even in Manasseh, if you are a white male, you cannot apply to be a Royal Air Force pilot. If you're a woman, you can. If you're of a different color or race, you can, but not a white male. It's restricted now. That is so sick. They hiss and clap their hands and wag their head at Israel today. And that's not talking about that place in the Middle East, which is not Israel. That's mostly Edomite Jews, not even true Israelites. They're talking about our nations that are truly Israel. They say, is this the city that men call the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? It used to be, go to America, the land of the free and home of the brave and the American dream. Not anymore. It's an American nightmare. We're not the joy of the whole earth anymore. They used to admire us and respect us. Now they hate our living guts because we've whipped up on them and bombed them and killed their leaders when they tried to do something about the American petrodollar. We are the hammer of the whole earth, and people are tired of being beat on, brethren. The nations of the world hate us, and they are going to destroy us and take us into prisoners, slave, slavery, and take over our land. 
Been done before, going to be done again. All your enemies have opened their mouth against you, verse 16. They hiss and gnash the teeth. They say we have swallowed her up. Certainly this is the day that we looked for. That's what they want to do. Read, the Obadiah, read Obadiah and see what the sons of uh, Esau, Edom, are going to do to this nation. They're behind it. They are doing it. They are the bankers. They are the leaders behind the scenes that are doing this to our nation on purpose. We found, we've seen it. They're going to do it, and then Obadiah says they're going to rejoice over us in our destruction and slavery. Then God is going to punish them for it, but he's giving us what we deserve by our enemies, our brother Edom, through Esau, and by the Gentile nations of the world. Notice verse 17. The Lord has done that which he had devised. He has fulfilled his word that he had commanded in the days of old. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all the other prophets, Moses, all the way back, he told us what he's going to do up here at the end. And it's now happening. He has thrown down and has not pitied. And he has caused your enemy to rejoice over you. He has set up the horn of your adversaries. God is strengthening our enemies right now. We put sanctions on Russia, and they've turned it around, and they are now prospering, and we are diminishing. Commercial real estate is failing, and now the housing market is going down with it. And it's going to happen all over the earth, and then people are going to come and take what we have as payment of the debt that we owe them. Verse 18, their heart cries to O wall of the daughter of Zion, let tears run down like a river day and night. Give yourself no rest. Let not the apple of your eye, uh, the apple of your eye cease. Our nation is going down. It's been the apple of our eye, but it's ceasing before us. So he says, be in lamentation and crying and hurt. And don't even pray for this nation, because God is behind all of this. And he's raising up the Gentiles against us. says it right here. Arise, cry out in the night. In the beginning of the watches, pour out your heart like water before the face of the Eternal. Lift up your hands toward him for the life of your young children that faint for hunger in the top of every street. One-third of us will die of famine and pestilence. Behold, O Eternal, and consider to whom you have done this. Please, God, consider. Shall the women eat their fruit and children of a span long? Other scriptures say, yes, they will. They'll eat the children that come out from between their feet. You have to be pretty hungry and pretty desperate to eat your own child that you just gave birth to. But that's coming to our nation. When I say these things, when I read what God says, some people get upset. They get frustrated. You shouldn't say those things. That makes me feel bad. Well, I don't care if you feel bad. God says it, and God says, listen to it. It's coming. And some of our leaders are already eating our children because they want to, not because they're starving to death. That's in this nation. This is what Almighty God says. And I am commissioned by him to say every word of God. I'm not to lowball it. I'm not to diminish it. I'm to read it and say it because it comes from Almighty God. And there is no getting away from it. Yes, please feel bad. Please be nauseated. Please, all of us, repent and turn to God, both the church and the nation. The church has already proven it won't. The nation is very quickly proving 
It won't. God's words are truth, and they're going to happen. We've already seen it happen in the church. God is true, and his word is true, and our nation is going right into this, and we'll soon. Shall the priest and the prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? This nation is part of God's Israel. And the leaders, the religious leaders, are going to be slain in the street. The young and the old lie on the ground in the streets. My virgins and my young men are fallen by the sword. You have slain them in the day of your anger. This is God's anger. You have killed and not pitied. You have called us as in a solemn day, my terrors round about. So that in the day of the Lord's anger, none escaped nor remained. Those that I have swaddled and brought up have my anger or my enemy consumed. God's bringing enemies on us, and we will be consumed by them. The Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians... A coalition against America. Read up Psalm 83. A lot of people are coming against us. We've had our coalitions against Libya, our coalition against uh, Iraq. Well, it's coming a coalition against America. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's the word of Almighty God. Now, chapter 3. I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. Jeremiah experienced all of this. He saw it. He was in the prison, sitting in human excrement, watching all this happen before his very eyes. And now he's writing about it because it's happening again to Israel in the end time, just as it did then. That's why God tells us in Zechariah 8 to keep these fasts, to remember them, not to forget them, because it is coming one more time. And now we are in the midst of it. The enemy just hasn't assaulted the walls and torn it down yet. But everything as a precursor is being done, and our very leaders have already sold us out, and they're working out their plan. And God is behind it. Notice how many times now in chapter 3, talking about God. He has led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me is he turned. He turned his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin has he made old. He has broken my bones. This is God's prophet saying this. He went through it. He saw it. He suffered it. He has built it against me and compassed me with gall and travail. And he wrote the book of Lamentations for you and me to read ahead of time and realize what's coming. He has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He has hedged me about that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. There's no way out for our nation. We are Israel, and we have sinned against God, and he is bringing every retribution that he has ever brought against Israel against us. Remember, he divorced saints in Israel. He made a new covenant, and Israel has denied it, has forgotten it, will not follow it. Also, when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. He's not going to listen to the prayer of sinners. And this nation is a sinful nation. And our prayers are going to be nothing when the Chinese and the Russians come up and start ripping up our pregnant women. Yes, there are other prophecies that say that. You have some around that are not pregnant. They'll be stripped and raped. But the pregnant ones will just be opened up with a bayonet and their children fall on the ground. God says that, not Daryl. God. It's in the scriptures. I can turn and read it to you. I'm not going to. There's enough right here. We've read it before. 
It's nauseating. It's sickening. And to hear it right now is nauseating and sickening. But God put it here for us to consider and think about and try to do something about at least as Christians, as spiritual Israel. It's too late for most of the church. They're going into the tribulation. Only 10% will respond to God. And our nation will not respond to God until 90% have been killed and taken into captivity. And what a pathetic situation it is. This is coming on our nation. We can see it, can't we? It gets worse every day. Every day it gets worse until it is going to be an invasion and a ripping up of our people. God will not listen. He has enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. No way to go. No way out. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait as a lion in secret places. I've been up against bears lying in wait, wounded, and wanting to kill me, and charging me to kill me. And it's not a comfortable feeling. Jeremiah felt that way. Verse 11, he has turned aside my ways and pulled me to be in pieces. He has made me desolate. Jeremiah was really feeling down here. He has bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. He's talking about God. He has caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. He felt personally attacked. And this is a prophet of God who was seeing and experiencing what was happening to his nation around him. Verse 14, I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. People don't like to hear this stuff. They didn't like to hear it from Jeremiah. They don't like to hear it from me. They don't like to hear it from anybody. But it's what God says. He made Jeremiah write all this down for us. All these things, he says, are written for those upon whom the end of the age shall come. That's you and me. He wrote it for us, and I'm going to read it to us. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunk with wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He's covered me with ashes. Now, all of this wasn't literal. It's metaphorical, but it's the way he felt. All these things coming down. The people were being killed and raped before his very eyes. The walls were knocked down. The city and the temple were burned. So he was feeling all of this personally. And you have removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. Prosperity? Forget it. And I said my strength and my hope is perished from the eternal. Do you feel sometimes desolate and forgotten by God? Christ was not happy when he spewed the church out of his mouth and vomited us out around the world. He was nauseated with us, brethren, as Christians. As the true church of God, he was nauseated. He's going to turn it around, and those who do repent and respond to him, he is going to cause them to be the apple of his eye, Zechariah tells us. But there has to be something that comes in between. My hope is perished. He felt very low and very down. Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul has them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. He was sickened. He was nauseated. He was discouraged. As we in the church have been, and our nation is about to be. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Now here is a few verses that lighten up just a little bit. I remember all these things, and I remember God says he will eventually turn it around. 
he knew that that would be, that he was in a 70-year captivity, a long, hard, tough one, and then God would turn it around. And we know from scriptures he's going to turn it around at some point, and those who love him, those who turn to him, those who obey him are going to be blessed. So we can look at these horrible things he says and said about the church that happened and take hope that there is some relief coming. Our nation is going to go down into the same position Jeremiah felt, but there's hope that Christ is coming to turn it around in the millennium, but not until. So it's going to get very, very grim as it did then. Verse 22, it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. The days of Noah, he saved a few, and he gave us the rainbow to remind us that he would never kill us off in that way again. But Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and other prophecies show that he'll do it in other ways but that his mercies will not fail. But before it's over, he is going to relent, and he's going to turn. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. This is the only hope we have, brethren. Now, our nation does not have that hope right now because it's on the downhill. And he has said he is not going to relent. He's going to do all these things to the nation that he has already done to the church and the spiritual dev devastation that we have gone through. But Jeremiah had hope in God. And that is the hope that you and I have, is that his faithfulness is there. And he's promised to turn it around and restore us a time of restitution, a time of blessing to the 10% faithful of the church. Therefore will I hope in him. The eternal is good to them that wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. And that's what he told us in Jeremiah, is to turn to him with all our heart, to seek him, and we will find him, and he will be found of us. So he hasn't heard the church much, but to those who truly repent, he will. So here is hope in the midst of all this terrible language that he's using. It is good. Okay, here is something that's good. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the eternal. Now that's the conclusion Habakkuk reached. He questioned God. He wondered how long. He was frustrated. And he finally said, I'm going to sit on my watch and wait because I know God's going to turn it around. And for my obedience, he is eventually going to bless me. That's the end of the book of Habakkuk. Then starts Zephaniah, where he says he's going to destroy this land and cause a financial crash. And that's the pivot point that Jeremiah is talking about right here. You and I are at that pivot point spiritually, and we have to see this thing through and sit and hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the eternal. Not be impatient, not be frustrated, but sit and quietly wait. Because he said up there in verse 23 that God's compassions don't fail and they're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He is looking down and he's seeing who will turn to him. Will I find faith? And yet all through the prophecies, he shows that a few will show that faith. I think I'll quit right there now, partly for sake of time, and partly because that is such 
a hopeful statement in the middle of all this bitterness and confusion and frustration. Your position and mine in this mess with the church is to repent and quietly wait and hope in God. And the only thing we can also do in the beginnings of the destruction of this nation is to sit and quietly wait and hope in God. There are three things that are the most important. Faith, hope, and love. We wait patiently in faith and in hope that these things will soon turn around and God will bless us. In the meantime, we grow in our love toward him and our fellow man instead of letting our love grow cold. Faithfully wait in hope and patience on the Lord.